0: See, we only have a few people who seem to have that testimony. We only have a few people who feel compelled to stand, amen. And I don't know about you, we are in a place of worship, amen. And we're not in a place of sitting down, amen. We're not in a place of just looking far off, amen. We are in a place of worship, and if we are in a place of worship, I believe that we should be worshiping, Amen. We should be worshiping the one who woke you up this morning, the one who got you on your way, who protected you as you slept last night, amen. I don't know about you, but can we just worship him for his love? Can we just worship him for his love toward us, amen, that he is a good God, I don't know if he's a good God, He's he's good to us, amen. The Bible saying that we were he demonstrated his great love toward us, and that we were still sinners, and yet we were still sinners. Amen. He demonstrated his great love toward us. That Christ died for us. What does that mean? I mean that He didn't wait for you to get it all together. That while you were still sinning, while you were still doing stuff, He still find, found it that He should die for your sins. He didn't wait for you to get it, wait for you to get it together. Amen. But he still loved us enough that he sent his son to die for us. And I think that deserves some type of worship, some type of hand clapping, some type of, come on now, standing on your feet, amen. Mm. But maybe it's just me, amen. Let us pray. Father God, I bless your holy name. I lift you up in this moment right now, Lord. We pray right now, Lord, for an atmosphere to be conducive for your Holy Spirit in this place. We pray right now, Lord, that your spirit will permeate this place, that it will rain down upon this place, that it will fill this place right now, Lord. We pray right now, Lord, as we stand right here and as we sit right here, Lord, that our mind goes back to the goodness of you, Lord. Goes back to your grace and your mercy, Lord how you pulled us out of stuff, Lord, that we put ourselves into, Lord. When times we messed up time after time after time, it was your great love that still covered us, Lord, and protected us. So right now, Lord, as we come to this place, Lord, let your word come down with force and with boldness, Lord. Let your word sit amongst your people, Lord. Let your people eat of your word, Lord, and let your word... Change them, Lord. Yes, God. Yes. Let this be a season of change, Lord. No longer the same. So, Lord, change us right now, Lord. Rearrange us right now, Lord. Come into this place right now, Lord. And have your way, Lord. Lord, we submit ourselves to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 This is Communion Sunday. Amen. And this has been a busy weekend for us, amen. Pastor LaShawn brought the word, a mighty word, on Friday night, amen. We were blessed by that word, amen. And after today, we will be hitting the road and we will be celebrating with our family up in Meridian, amen, who are great friends to not only to us but to the ministry here, amen. But before we do that, amen, it's only right that we hear from the Lord, amen. For those who have their Bibles, I ask that you open your Bibles up, amen, and that you find in the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, the 13th chapter, the 32nd through the 33rd verse, amen? Can we give our praise team a hand of praise, ministering to us on this morning, amen? Did anybody come for a word on this morning? You know, as we sat in revival, and revival was a truly, truly life-altering, life-changing situation, amen, it's good to see you, Brother John. Revival was a great, great, great opportunity for God to speak to us, and even in that time, amen, we had three nights, and there was a theme that kind of arose through that, that the Lord has been dealing with me for quite some time, and that subject has changed. That subject is change, amen. Each speaker spoke or gave a statement that concerned change, amen. And I believe that right now in the body of Christ in this hour that somebody is seeking change, amen. I don't think that we come to church Sunday after Sunday just to remain the same way, amen. We're looking for some things to be different, amen. I don't believe that we joined church, we gave our life to Christ, so we can just be the same way. There were some things about our life that needed to change. There were some things that we needed to see change about our life or just in general just see change amen and I believe that one of the things that happens is that when we incorporate people within the church we get them to form a relationship with church and not with Christ Mm -hmm. and so with that being said they are knowledgeable about church they know how to do church they know what to do when they're in church amen but do you realize that you can be in church and not be in the presence of God? One of the most dangerous phrases that exist in the English language is, we've always did it that way. We've always did it that way, amen. And as people come into the church, amen, we pass on things that we've always done, amen. Can anybody explain to me why we do this when we go to the church? Or we put that finger up and we tip out. What significance is that in church? Nobody knows why, but we'll do it from time to time, amen? Does that finger make you invisible? <laughs> is, that what, is that what it is? It's a generational thing, amen? And so when we know better, we do better, amen? Just go ahead and leave, amen? You draw more attention to yourself putting that finger up then if you just walk on out, amen? And so on this morning, y'all, my, my, my assignment is easy, amen? And, and, and I hope that we're able to get all the way through it, amen? But I know that I'm not going to keep you long because I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. And so it's my job just to give it to you, amen? amen. It's your job to get an understanding, amen? the Word tells you, and all I get in, we to get what? Understanding, understand amen? And so I understand it on this morning. I need you to understand it on this morning that I declare that change will hit your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Glory to you. Hallelujah. That didn't get the response I was, because I, I thought somebody was looking for that. Hallelujah. I thought somebody was needing to hear that, amen? amen. That change is coming to your life, amen? Yes. That change is about to hit your house. Amen. Amen. Now, that, I believe that some outcomes have changed as a result of that just right now. Some situations have changed, even right now, amen. Some reports have changed, even right now. Brother John, some reports are changing, amen. But even all that, amen, and we rejoice over that, we we, we shout about that, but the biggest thing is, Lord, if you don't change anything else, change me. If you don't change my situation, Lord, just, just change me. Why? Because there are some things that you can't, there are some places that you can't go unless you've been changed. There are certain things that you can't access unless the way that you talk has been changed. There, is no pla- there are some places that you can't operate in unless your behavior has changed. So, Lord, before you change anything, can somebody say, Lord, change me. Oh, just change me, Lord. Change the way I think. Change the way I act, Lord. Just just change me, amen? And so as we look at our our scripture, amen, I don't want to get too far into it, but Numbers 13, the 32nd and the 33rd verse, amen, and I'm not going to be before you long because I believe that your understanding of your change is what you need to have. And so the Bible says, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Someone say, a bad report. A bad report report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours is inhabited. Somebody say, that's lies. Lies, lies, lies. lies. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There there, There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we weren't in their sight. Two quick verses, amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his most holy word, amen. And and for a subject, I would like to use the subject that changes everything. Can somebody just look to your neighbor and say, neighbor? That changes everything. Look at your other neighbor. Say, neighbor, that changes everything. So we need to have just a little histrionics about the text in which we're talking about because you can't have text without context, amen? And so let's get into the context of where we are right now. The children of Israel are at the precipice of change. They're in the reach of their next place. They're looking at the place in which God has been trying to get them to. He has rescued them out of slavery, amen, and he has a purpose and a plan for their lives, amen, and they get to this place, and and God tells Moses, he said, look, I need you to select some men to go out and spy this land of Canaan, which I'm about to give to you, amen, but they need to be leaders of the tribes, of the 12 tribes, amen, and it's important that we understand and realize that because the reason why is because these men had influence. These men had influence, amen? Whatever they say went, amen? And so they had influence. And so it was these men who not only had influence, amen? They were in charge of the religious activities of their tribe. They were the heads, amen? And so they had spiritual influence over the people as well, Amen? And so it was important that these were the ones that were selected to go out and to spy out or observe this land, amen? And so Moses gives them instructions to say, look, I need you to go into this land. And what I need you to do, I need you to survey, I need you to observe two things. The first thing is I need you to survey and observe the people. Are the people strong or are they weak? I need to understand this. Are they few or are they many? Amen. I need you to observe the land, survey the land, look at the land, Take out the lay of the land, amen? Is the land, is it, is it, is it, is it good land or is it bad land, amen. amen? Take out the camps. Well, where they stay? Is it, are they in camps or are they in strongholds, amen? Is it a rich land or is it a poor land, amen? I need you to survey and observe the land, amen? And so they go out and he said, not only that, I need you to bring back, bring, bring back fruit of this land. Bring back some evidence of where we're going. So they go out and they do this and they come back, amen. And they have some good news and they have some bad news, amen. The good news is we got found these grapes, amen. And it took two men to haul these grapes in. So this is a fertile land, amen. This is a fruitful land, amen. But also, there's some bad news. The people, they're strong, amen. And the cities, they're, they're, they're fortified, amen. And they got giants over there. They got real giants over there. Like giants, big people. Amen. Not like us, but like giants. So now on all that, they got giants. And you want us to go over here. So the first thing I need us to understand is that sometimes we confuse the nature of our assignment. Amen. Amen. Their job was to go and assess and not assume. They went in looking Well, they were supposed to go in and just give a statement about what they saw, not a statement about what they felt. And so sometimes when God calls us to a thing, to an assignment, our job is to assess. That's all it is. Assess. But yet, sometimes we go in assuming. Wow. And the problem with assuming is, and don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with assuming is we come up with our own ideas of stuff. Amen? Yeah. And our own ideas of stuff is the thing that talks us out of stuff what we believe, what we feel, what we see, what we hear. And so God sends them out just to get a report because he knew that when they came back, the people would be willing to hear what they had to say. They had cachet with these people. They would listen to these people. They would be influenced by these people, amen? And so the Bible tells us, they said that They gave them a bad report. And I need us to understand that we get bad reports all the time. All the time. But God has not signed off on that bad report. We think that's the end all and do all just because we hear some bad news. Amen? And so the thing about the Israelites and the thing about for some of us for the Israelite, going back was always an option. Always an option. Every time they hit some type of adversity, they were ready to go back. Whenever they heard some bad news, they were ready to give up. Amen. And so, for us, until we make up in our mind that going back is never an option, we will entertain that thought every time. So say somebody should say, "Lord, kill that." Lord, kill that. Lord, kill that. Going back is never an option. Turn around is never an option. Quitting is never an option. Giving up is never an option. I need you to get that in your head, amen? They heard a report, and it was enough to cause them to give up on God and all that God had promised them. How often have we heard something that caused us to forget the kind of God we serve? We hadn't endured it. We hadn't gone through it. We just heard about it. Yeah. And we were ready to quit right then and there. We were excited at one point And now in the very news of adversity or problem, it's changed everything. We had our minds made up. We were ready. We were determined. And now that, sec- that, 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 that bad news, that bad report has us second guessing. Yeah. Why am I even here? What is it for? We were ready to move forward, amen. We had got our marching orders, amen, and God told us everything was going to be all right. I got it all lined up for you. And now we're weighing the option of walking away. Just because it got tough. How many times have we allowed people or things to override what God has already ordained? Don't let the fact that they don't see it change everything for you because the Bible says eyes have not seen. My God. Just because they ain't seen it, don't let that change everything for you. God showed you, and that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> Just because God didn't merge the call on your life with them, don't let that change everything because the Bible tells us what? Ears have not heard. Right. Just because you ain't heard from God... That don't change everything. (laughs) Just because they hadn't entered into their heart to support you. I know that we look for support. We want people's support. Amen. But don't let that change everything. Amen. Because the Bible says neither has entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for him that love God. Why are you looking for approval, their approval, when God has gave you? Pre-approval. My God. Ooh, my God. Somebody say, it changes everything. Now, there's a Jewish saying that says that there is a long way that is short and a short way that is long. And so God had taken them on a long way to get them to a short place. And they got discouraged by everything that they encountered. Amen. But I need us to understand that, or I need someone just to to, to agree with me that we've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting what? In his, he's never did what? So turning around is not an option, amen? And so they get this bad report, amen, and and, and. this bad report causes them to lose faith in God, amen. They totally forget what type of God that they serve, a God that delivered them out of Egypt, a God that separated the Red Sea, a God that fought battle after battle after battle for them, a God that provided manna from heaven for them. When they got thirsty, he gave them water. And even during the course of all the journey that they went through, their shoes never were worn. Or their clothes never fell apart. God had them the whole entire way. But they allowed one bad report. One bad report. To cause them to forfeit everything that they had knew about God. Amen. And I'm here to tell you. I I understand that we go through some things. and, And if I be honest with you, the way from them, it was tough. Yes, it was tough for them. They went through some things. They endured some things. But even when they said no, grace and mercy said yes. Even when they were unfaithful to God, God was still faithful to them. you anybody a witness to that even in your own life? And so we have these people, amen, and, and we all know it's, it's hard to deal with God's people, Amen. It's hard to deal with God's people, amen, because it ain't never good enough. It ain't never enough. We always got to complain, amen. I, look, I'm one of them. I, look, I'm one of them, amen. But so in this time, they go off in their spine, and they see three giants. The word says they encountered some giants. They encountered three giants. They're the sons of Anak, amen. I need us to understand that where you're going, there are giants that you will have to encounter. And there are three giants in particular that we will always have to encounter when we're going to a place that God has called us to. And those giants are fear, doubt, and unbelief. Say it with me. Fear, doubt, and unbelief. Let's tackle the first giant of fear, amen? Amen. In the Greek, there are three, basically, words for fear. There are three expressions or meaning for fear, amen? The first one is reverential fear, amen? That fear is one that we associate with God, amen? And in Proverbs 9 10 it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding, amen? The second one is one that means terror or dread or to flee from, amen? Y'all good out there? Okay. Terror. Somebody said with me. Terror. Terror. Dread. Dread. Or to flee from. To flee. You're going to run from it. Amen. And in Psalm 23, the form of that is David, when David says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Amen. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. And the third one is, Fear, that means timidity or cowardice, amen, or, or dread, amen. And it's a form that we see in 2 Timothy 1 and 7 where it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The problem is that they took reverential fear in with them, and they left with a different type of fear. And so for some of us, we believe in God. We trust in God. Amen. But when we get to that situation, we assume that the fear that we have for that thing, it overshadows the fear or the reverence that we have for God. And so the second John is doubt. Somebody say doubt. What is doubt? Doubt is uncertainty. Amen. And the Bible tells us that a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. God can't change the situation. Because you keep changing on God. I'm trusting him now, now I don't trust him. I believe him now, now I don't believe him. So God can't move on your behalf because you haven't given him the thing to work with. Why? Because it said it's impossible to please God. Why? Without what? Without faith. And the third John is unbelief. Somebody say unbelief. Unbelief is when you are presented with a thing and either you accept it or you reject it, amen. And the greatest example that we can see this is in Mark 9, amen. And in Mark 9, we have a father whose son has been overtaken by a spirit. And so he takes this child or this his son to Jesus, amen. But when he gets there, Jesus ain't there. His disciples are there, but Jesus ain't there. Jesus is on the mountaintop. And so the disciples are trying to exercise this demon out of this boy, to no avail. Jesus shows up, amen, and the man is, he's just, he's spent, amen, he's just in a bad spot, amen, because your disciples, your representatives have tried, and they couldn't do it. And so Jesus tells the man, he said, if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And the Bible tells us that with tears streaming down the man's face. He says, Lord, I believe, help thou thou mine unbelief. And so what the problem is that there is faith and unbelief in the same thing. And the problem is we don't understand, and, and, and I need you to understand this. The problem because of this man wrestling with his unbelief is because the disciples had tried to do it, and they couldn't do it. And so the source of a lot of our unbelief is not with Christ. But with Christians, the problem that we have is not with Christ, it's with Christians. We got people out here who say that they're talking for Christ and they're telling us stuff, and it don't come to pass. We got people out here who say, I can deliver you, I can heal you, and it don't come to pass. And so now they're fighting with unbelief. I believe in Christ, but I just don't believe in Christians. If you look at the church now and and the fact that there's a great falling away with church, it's because of a lot of hypocrisy that the people see in Christians and not with Christ. We're taught not to backbite, taught not to gossip, not to slander people. And it exists in the church. (laughs) So you're calling me out of the world into a church full of the world. I can stay out in the world and keep my money. (laughs) And so the three greatest giants that we face on a day-to-day basis by being Christians, by believing in God's word, are fear, doubt and unbelief. And the problem is they bring that back to the camp. Those who should know better, those who should know who God is, are struggling with fear, doubt, and unbelief. So how are you supposed to minister to somebody if you're struggling with fear? How are you going to tell somebody everything's going to be okay if you're struggling with doubt? How are you going to tell somebody to believe in the word of God if you're struggling with unbelief? When we understand that, y'all, that changes everything. And so, we have to get to a point to where, Lord, if nothing else changes, change me. And I know that only change will come through me. And so, the first thing we understand is that the first thing that has to change in us is our heart. Say, Lord, change my heart. heart. Now, we talk about posture, amen, and we said that posture is a heart matter, amen. Uh, It was a couple weeks ago, amen, and... Posture is a condition of the heart. Posture is not a physical position, but a spiritual condition. It's difficult for someone to have a posture of praise when praise ain't in them. It's impossible for someone to have a posture of submitting, of submission, when they ain't got no submission in them. It's impossible for somebody to have a posture of obedience if obedience ain't in their heart. So I need somebody to say, Lord, change my heart. Lord, Lord, I have a a problem with obedience. Lord, change my heart. I have a problem with submission. Lord, change my heart. Because the word tells us that out of the heart are the what? Issues of of the heart, of the life. So that means that my walk, if my heart is not right, I'm trying to maintain my walk. If my heart ain't right, I'm trying to maintain my shout. If my heart ain't right, I'm trying to manage how I love people, how I forgive people, amen? But that's not true, amen? We need to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of our heart because understand this. Your functioning is a product of your programming. Your functioning is a product of your programming. If you're programmed to do things a certain way, that's how you're going to function. So if you're programmed to love some folks, you're just going to love some folks. If you're programmed to forgive some folks, you're just going to forgive some folks. Amen? And so we need to change some things about ourselves so that we can change some places that we can go. We can change some things that we can do, amen? And the church, the church needs to understand that if you're not current, then you're not relevant. If you're not able to deal with the current things that go on with the people, if you're not able to take the word of God and to relate it to what's going on, then the church will not no longer be relevant. The Amber Geiger trial. There are so many people talking about forgiveness and not to forgive or anything like that. Let me tell you something. If we're going to break a cycle, you can't do what the person did to you. That's why unforgiveness is able to exist, and it's a cycle because you hurt somebody, and if you have an opportunity to hurt them, you're going to hurt them back. So it just keeps on going. Amen? So instead of praying for that person, And breaking that cycle, because it takes two to tango, you can do this to me all you want to. And I'm not not, not saying be a punk about it, (laughs) amen. But there's a way that we are to handle ourselves or to handle our business, amen. It doesn't mean God will bring you into the knowledge of something, not so that you can talk about it, but so you can pray about it. Not so that you can talk about them, but you can pray for them. Right. Amen? amen. He brings you the of stuff so that, not so that you can act toward them in a way that's unchristian, but to act in a way that is Christian. And so we have to be the ones that break cycles, amen. God is sending us to break generational curses, amen. And that's where we need to be. We need to be standing in the gap, amen. And so the first thing is we say we have to do is ask God to change our heart. The next thing is to change our perspective. Say, Lord, change my perspective. And I say that because for some of us, we need to understand if we're fighting against spiritual warfare or the will of God for your life. There are certain things that happen that God wants to happen, and it's not spiritual warfare. It's spiritual welfare. God is trying to keep you from some stuff, and you think He's trying to punish you from about some stuff. You praying about and saying and, and quoting, we we wrestling out against flesh and blood and all this type of stuff. No. <laughs> you ain't fighting none, no spiritual warfare. You, God wants you to know that the enemy is not the devil sometimes. The enemy is you. <laughs> you the enemy to your promised place sometimes. Not the enemy. Because I'm setting some stuff up for you. You have to be processed to get to this place. But if you're fighting against the process, you'll never get to the place. Right. And you'll forever blame him. You'll forever blame her. When all in, all along, it was you. It was you all the time. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't Nae It wasn't punkin' It was you. Somebody say, it's me. It's me. So we have to change our hearts. We have to change our perspective. And you know what else we got to change? Our mouths. (laughs) The next thing we need to learn is how to shut up. Somebody say shut up. Shut it up. Because the biggest thing that shuts you out your promise is not you is you not learning how to shut your mouth. Why? Because sometimes your blessing is voice activated. And if you're not speaking the things to activate the promise in your life. You're canceling the promise on your life. Somebody say, shut it up. The word tells us that what? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he that love it will eat of it. Your tongue has killed more opportunities sometimes than you ever knew it. The way you run your mouth has killed more opportunities than you ever know. The way you run your mouth has shut heaven up for you. We're asking God for some things and, 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 and we're asking him for, for a promotion. Well, you can't get promoted to a place if you don't know how to speak in that place. Amen? Amen. you talking about you won't. We expect things out of people that we people can't get out of us. So that means that you want God to send you some real friends. But you still got your mouth on the friends you got now. <laughs> Why he going to give you some more friends to kill? <laughs> Why he going to give you some more folks to talk about? Somebody say, I'm in this place right now because of my mouth. <laughs> I'm in this trouble because of my mouth, because I couldn't shut up, because I couldn't hush up. Because I was told you can't say shut up. My mom only let say shut up, so you got to say hush, because you couldn't hush up, amen? And the last thing that we need to change is the way that we think, the way that we think. In Carter G. Woodson's book, The Miseducation of the Negro, he states, if you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. When you determine what a man shall think, you do not have to concern yourself about what he will do. If you make him feel that he is inferior, you do not have to compel him to accept an inferior status, for he will seek it for himself. If you make a man think that he is justly an outcast, you do not have to order him to the back of the door. He will go without being told, and if there is no back door, his very nature will demand one. That means that if I can get you to believe that you are lesser, not only will you accept lesser, you look for lesser. And not only that, you are satisfied with Lesser. But God says, you're greater than that. Say, you're greater than that. You're the head and not the tail. You're greater than that. Amen? And so we need to understand that for us, as we get ready to close, and then my beautiful wife comes up here and we get ready to do communion. For things to change, we have to be able to respond differently to things. We have to change the way that we respond to things. We have to change the way that we react to things. Amen? And four things we need to understand. We have to pray it out. We have to talk it out. We have to walk it out. And if we do that, we will see God work it out. Pray it out. God has to always be in the discussion. Whatever it is, God always has to be involved in the discussion. Amen? Prayer should undergird everything that we do. The Bible tells us that man should would always pray. Talk it out. Y'all, we got to start declaring some things in our life. Somebody say, put the, put the word on it. Put the word on it, amen. Put the word on that thing until it changes, amen. Walk it out. The word tells us that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You got to walk it like you talk it, y'all. If you say one thing, that's the way you got to walk. And the last thing, if you're able to do all that, I guarantee that you will see God work that thing out. You will see change hit your life. You will see change hit your home. You will see change hit your finances. You will see change hit your job. You will see change. Let me tell you something. This is not a place to turn around and go back like the children of Israel wanted wanted to do. There was an old song, well, there was an old saying and an old song that the older saints would sing like, like uh Mother Page. <laughs> and in it it says that every round goes higher and higher. What does that mean? That means the higher that you go, you got more to fight for. And I believe that God has given some of us a glimpse of what he has in store for us, a glimpse of what he has prepared for us. And that should be the very thing that caused you not to want to turn around. Some of us, God has given some of us a glimpse of our children being saved. And so I can't turn around now because it's too much at stake. The salvation of my children is at stake. So I can't turn around now. My marriage is going to be blessed. I know that you might be going through situations and problems and, and having arguments, but God has given some of you glimpses of your marriage being blessed. And because your marriage is blessed, you'll be able to bless other people by the stories of how you overcame. And now you're helping. God is using you for the salvation of other marriages and other relationships. I know that that school is hard for some of us and Mm -hmm. and, and, and it seems like classes want you to just, (laughs) you know, you you ready to go join the army. (laughs) I'm ready to quit. (laughs) But I guarantee you that where you are right now is preparing you for where you're about to go. Don't let that adversity turn you around. Use it for your good. Let me tell you something. I don't believe that God has delivered you out of bondage just to watch you die in the wilderness. I know that we've gone through some things. I know that we've dealt with some things. I know that we're ready to give up. I know we're ready to turn around. Amen. And, Pastor, you just don't know. I, I understand. But you can't go back. You can't turn around. Everybody in here has a story. Everybody has a story. And I do not discount anybody's story. But just like with the spies, if you can look back over your life and see all that God has brought you from, all that God has delivered you from you would understand that he didn't bring me just this far to lead. he didn't bring me this far just to leave me now every promise of God is yes and amen but you got to be willing to fight <laughs> he said look i'm going to give you a promised land But you just can't go there and rest. There's work to do. (laughs) And just because God has said he's going to do this for you and do that to you, that doesn't mean that you you ain't got to work for it. That doesn't mean that you have to maintain it. That doesn't mean that you you don't have to sustain it. Amen? What he's saying is I'm putting you in, look, my word puts you in position for a miracle. My word to you puts you in position for a breakthrough. You got to walk it out. Is anybody here willing to walk it out? I know that God has spoken some great and amazing things to y'all. He talked to me too about y'all. And Pastor LaShawn and I, we like to pride ourselves on being pushers. Because we understand that If there's no change in your life, you'll turn around and go back. But you got to be willing to take the jump. You got to be willing to make the step. And I guarantee you that God will meet you. You know, every step that you take gets you closer to your destiny. (laughs) So you have no, look. You got no choice but to go forward. (laughs) Look, I declare this to be the season of change for somebody. If you will just receive that thing, hold on to that thing, embrace that thing, and even when times get dark, when times get tough, understand and know that this is my season of change. Rejection is just redirection. That's all it is. That's all it is. Just because you fell down don't mean that you can't get up. That means that you need to get up even more energized and ready for what's coming next. Amen? Amen. And when you understand that, y'all, it changes everything. The Lord says, look, I will fight your battle. You hold your peace. That's in the Word. He wasn't asking them to go and fight these folks. He just wanted them to show up and see through spiritual eyes and not physical eyes. So God is calling you for every situation that you find yourself, every, every issue, every situation, not to see it through physical eyes but through spiritual eyes and see what God is about to do in your life. Come on up here, baby. When you realize who you are, it changes everything. When you realize the power and authority that God has given you, it changes everything. You don't have to accept anything, amen?